transmitting from the Mojave Wilderness in Joshua Tree, California. Now is the time for Desert Oracle Radio, the voice of the desert. Night has fallen on the desert. If you are within radio range of Joshua Tree tonight, you know this is the cold time of year. Coming up on the shortest day of the year, winter solstice. If you want to be outside to mark the moment, which I try to do every year because it's a little more satisfying than just seeing the calendar notification on your phone. Solstice 20 and 22 and the village of Joshua Tree will be on Wednesday, December 21 at 1.48 p.m. local time, Pacific Standard Time. Sundown is already coming a little bit later, which is helpful for those of us who take our walks in the afternoon. But sundown is still plenty early. 4.39 p.m. is solstice sunset. But you know how tricky this becomes in the mountains. The San Bernardino Mountains and their local siblings... Well, they weren't being especially poetic when they came up with the name the Little San Bernardino Mountains. Well, these mountains form the irregular horizon to our west. And that is going to affect your sunset. And you feel it too. A hundred feet in this direction or a thousand feet in that direction. And your sundown might be at 4.10 p.m. instead. And then you are thinking, well, maybe I should have brought my gloves because my hands are getting sort of numb, especially in this bitterly cold wind. But now it's too late. Because the sheriff's after you. Wanted for a series of crimes. Down in Morongo Valley, stealing people's garden hoses for some reason. Maybe it's a TikTok fad. And then you connect all the hoses together. And this is why the federal government wants to ban TikTok. It's funny how everybody talks all the time about the poisonous and corrosive social media phone universe. But as soon as anything changes, people are up in arms. I've watched people on Twitter for 15 years talking about how terrible it is. A hell sight, what a waste of time, annoying to everyone. And then the world's most annoying person buys it, and these people are crying, Oh no, not my Twitter, I love it so much. I don't love it. I will laugh at its gravesite, if it has one. Speaking of, there was a delightful newspaper article the other day about these high schoolers in New York who decided enough is enough and they started a Luddite club. 
inspired by good old Ned Ludd, who smashed up some mechanical knitting machines in a fit of drunken rage back in 1779 in England's East Midlands. By the early 1800s, he had become a folk hero. Part of the growing anger and resentment over the Industrial Revolution. The legendary King Lud, merry leader of the Luddites. The poet Robert Calvert wrote these lines about Ned. They said Ned Ludd was an idiot boy, that all he could do was wreck and destroy. He turned to his workmates and said, death to machines, they tread it. Eh, it's alright. Written in 1985, not a time known for good lyric poetry, and besides that, poet was a guy from a, a band called Hawkwind. If you've read the comic novel The Monkey Ridge Gang by an occasional park ranger and fire lookout and very popular canceled writer named Edward Abbey, you probably remember that book is dedicated to Ned Ludd. Anyway, a bunch of high schoolers have adopted Ned as their mascot as they try to live a life not entirely dominated by the whims of sociopathic middle-aged billionaires. What does the Luddite Club do? The best thing they do, to my mind, is simply show up at this dirt pile in Prospect Park once a week and hang out with whoever shows up. This alone is revolutionary in 2022 because people are required to maintain lengthy digital communications about absolutely every little thing they do, including meet somebody for a hamburger or drop off dry cleaning. To just show up somewhere expecting that some of your comrades will also show up and being completely fine if they don't because you brought a book. Well, that's enough to be a Luddite now, which is fine. by Red, Blue, Black, Silver.
Luddites are generally against mechanical oppression, management and managers, labor productivity, etc. They are allowed to use ice cubes in their drinks and read printed books. Allowed to carry a flip phone because all the pay phones are gone now, most of them, nearly all of them. It's a very easy system, this... being a Luddite in the early 21st century. Just make it up as you go along. Like those ravens who pick plastic lids out of the trash to use as little snowboards on a snowy roof. They are not endorsing the widespread use of plastic junk that is exceedingly difficult to get out of our natural environment. But if a big Cool Whip lid is just sitting there on the ground the day after Christmas... So remember, Wednesday, December 21, 1.48 p.m. on the west side of the country, 2.48 p.m. Mountain Time, 4.48 p.m. on the east coast, the true end of the solar year. And then two months of winter, two months of spring, eight months of summer, and soon enough we'll be right back to Christmas time once again. some of us anyway I like to remind myself that every winter solstice might be the last one for me anyway and that with each passing year it becomes increasingly likely so we might as well make the best of it as for those Luddites in Brooklyn, one of them told the newspaper she dreamed of throwing her phone in the Gowanus Canal, which is one of the filthiest canals on Earth, with something like 20 feet of toxic sediment sludge beneath that oily little sewage stream. A writer I used to work with once spent a cold winter day standing over that toxic sludge watching a dolphin die. The dolphin got stuck in the filth and was too sick to get out. And that's the worst Christmas story ever. Would be better if it had a ghost component. Ghost stories were made for Christmas time. Maybe that dolphin's still out there. Splashing through that filthy canal, little bells ringing. Those who refuse to give up the night. It's a work day. After a couple of very late nights. 
still love the morning triumph of a dawn subway in moderation. All I've learned from Christ and the Buddha is to appreciate this one lifetime, this kingdom of heaven right here within this wounded earthly paradise. If more lifetimes await, that's okay too. I'm staying in a fourth floor walk up on the Chinatown Lower East Side boundary, a neighborhood now known for reasons only the New York Times pretends to understand as Dime Square. It's the new neighborhood I've heard streets full of people. Bars open late like before the pandemic, plenty of action such as the promise. I see some well-dressed younger people at a few bars. They're all looking at their phones like everybody else, but on the sidewalks, a few are also conspicuously smoking cigarettes. There's a light misty rain, beautiful to my desert-baked eyes. And that little bit of rain means everybody's mostly back at their apartments watching TV over the internet. This is a working holiday. Tonight I've got a show at the old village gate. Hallowed ground to me. I wanted to have a pianist joining this performance reading. There were many possibilities right up until the day before, but nothing worked out. Which is probably best the paying audience wants to see and hear. What's on the radio show? I drank more coffee and looked down on Canal Street, down at the Chinese laundromats and the Jitney bus depots, down at the maniac who yells in great burst of incoherent anger until he tires out and rests for an hour or so. There's a fire station nearby, and the terrible sirens periodically blare to remind me it's a big city full of emergencies all the time. I'm working on a script for the night, trying to pick a good local tale to integrate with the Mojave Desert folklore makes in the spirit of the current place. I like this dramatic story about John Lennon seeing a big UFO from his patio at the Dakota in 1974. And the UFO story is not hearsay. Lennon wrote it up for a November 74 issue of Andy Warhol's Interview Magazine. He interviewed himself with the questions attributed to a Dr. Winston O'Boogie. The sighting is mentioned on the cover of his Walls and Bridges album and again on the double fantasy outtake Nobody Told Me. He described an enormous thing, silent and cone-shaped, covered in dazzling lights and close enough to hit with a rock. There's UFOs over New York, and I ain't too surprised. That's the lyric. 
I'll remember every day and night of every trip to New York City, going back to the first one in the summer of 1983, a solo cross-country trip as a teenager. The old International Harvester Scout too. The friends and relatives had stayed with along the way. West Texas, New Orleans, Appalachia tried and failed to scare me off from my destination. New York was still chaotic in those years. Every promised horror made me want to go more and stay longer. I found a pretty good parking spot off St. Mark's Place because I knew the street from a Lou Reed song. My scout was such a beat-up, bondoed wreck that nobody touched it, and I just threw away the parking tickets when I left the East Village a couple of weeks later. Driving away with a backseat full of bootleg records and cassette tapes paperbacks, magazines, never went to a play, never went to a museum, did not have the foggiest notion about the rest of the city. A couple years later, I got put up in Flushing, Queens for a very long Christmas season. That's when I sort of learned to use the subway to buy same-day tickets for Sam Shepard's off-Broadway production of A Lie of the Mind to act unfazed when I ran into Keith Richards at a Bo Diddley show upstairs at the old Lone Star Cafe a block away from Union Square. Over the decades of New York jobs and New York publishers... It would never be home, because I always lived in the desert, but I'd always be at ease there. If you can walk fast, you'll do all right. The club is fine, professionally operated. The green room and dressing room are comfortable and well-appointed. There's a bottle of Pinot Noir and a fruit cheese plate awaiting per the artist writer. Some friends show up from Brooklyn, a sound check is quickly performed. People bustle around setting up tables and chairs in the evening stage lighting. And we head out for a cocktail on Bleecker Street. And I'm relieved to see the bars and cafes fairly bustling. The show's fine. Afterwards, I meet a lot of people who took the trouble to venture out into this strange new American reality where even New Yorkers are loath to venture out unless absolutely necessary. The club music business is on its deathbed. It's lucky to have anybody show up at all. Back in the dressing room, a larger group has assembled and we work at the wine and the last round from the bar and the whole place will be locked up well before midnight. I'd arrived in the suit I'm still wearing, so the dressing room is relinquished and the survivors head into the West Village night. Just me and an old work buddy from... Gawker Media, he's working on a government conspiracy podcast series, as people do these days, and he wants to interview me regarding our shared obsession with the flying saucer phenomenon. 
subject recently returned to the headlines despite a lack of present-day flying saucer sightings. We settle into a booth by the front door of an Irish pub and it's all as dark wood and boozy as I remember from years past. But a handful of people singing to the jukebox. All the bars close so much earlier now, though, so time is short. finish up drinks and more or less finish the conversation. That's when a tall and lanky blonde character joins our party of two. He's from Poland and he looks like one of Butch Cassidy's gang from the movie. And he easily convinces us to have another Guinness in the park around the corner. It's a scene I've enjoyed a hundred times before, mostly when I lived and worked in Eastern Europe. The garrulous ones are unwilling to give up the night just when things start rolling. The newcomer insists on buying the Guinness cans, best enjoyed in a glass, and we find a park bench. The talk is of poetry, literature, graffiti. That's what he does, our Polish friend. Joseph, was that his name? Graffiti on the subway bridges in particular. His phone is full of pictures of these absurdly dangerous art stunts. Besides the elaborate tagging, sometimes hanging on to trains with mere inches of clearance for a human body, there are the books. He plucks books from the garbage piles of New York City. History, textbooks, novels, if it's bad, no loss. If it's good, he hunts for more along those lines. My old work comrade wisely departs as Joseph and I walk into the night. All I do in Manhattan is walk. All I do anywhere, really. Walk, talk, type a little at night, read in the mornings. My comrade was worried the Polish kid is a hustler, as he'll later text me. I don't see it. The Polish kid just wants to talk to somebody who will understand. I've got no answers, but I understand. I still want whatever he wants, at least on good days. We stroll through the Bowery, jabbering about everything. I smoke one of his American spirits, my first cigarette in a very long time. It's all right. Lately, I've been thinking I might write with a little more focus, a little more style, if I started smoking again. Even though I know it was clarity and enthusiasm and youth that made the typing easier, not the poison cigarettes. Still. 
Well, I turn off a block early for my place. I know the rules just to prevent anybody becoming embarrassed. We wish each other well. I tell them to keep typing, keep painting, whatever. You go back to the desert after this? Not yet, I say. I rarely get out of the desert. This week is my birthday present to myself. I march up the stairs, I hang up my suit, brush my teeth, set my alarm. The actions of a responsible adult, unfortunately. Spot Disciples live from Club Matos. From Amboy to Zizix and across the great Mojave wilderness and beyond, this is Desert Oracle Radio. Desert Oracle broadcasts from Joshua Tree. On our home station, KCDZ 107.7 FM. KZMU FM in Moab and the Castle Valley on Saturday nights at 9 p.m. Valley 104.9 in King County, Washington State, 8 p.m. on Sundays. I think we're still on Radio Free Lexington and Kentucky and... Grand Junction College Station K-Cobb and Sika, Alaska but I don't know what time, what night I do know that you can hear us on KFCF 88.1 FM in Fresno on Wednesday afternoons, 3.30pm Pacifica Radio for the California Central Valley Somebody should put us on the community radio station in Brooklyn so the Luddite Club can listen in on their AM FM clock radios. The realistic brand from Radio Shack. Thanks for listening. And if you've always wanted to throw a few dollars towards the creation of this radio show and our other Desert Oracle projects, which are all part of a long-term, unintentionally non-profit operation, just go to our website, desertoracle.com, and click Become a Patron. It's not quite so crowded up here this Christmas time this year. That's good. The fad might be over. That's good. Good night from the voice of the desert. (laughs) 